Chapter Six of the Pianoforte Sonata by John South Shedlock. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Predecessors of Beethoven. One, Muzio Clementi. Muzio Clementi, born at Rome in 1752, was brought to England by Alderman Beckford, father of the author of Walfeck, and at Fonthill Abbey he had leisure to study the works of Handel john sebastian bach emmanuel bach domenico scarlatti and parodies clementi like scarlatti was a virtuoso but although both indulged largely in technical display they were true and intelligent artists in scarlatti the balance between his musical ideas and the form in which they were presented was almost perfect in clementi virtuosity often gained the ascendancy over virtue with the latter however as indeed with Ebach, Haydn, Mozart and many other composers, the necessity of earning a living, and therefore of writing for long ears, mixed with the love of fame, produced works which, like the old Eden tree, contained both good and evil. To judge such great men really fairly, the chaff ought to be separated from the wheat, and the chaff ought to be thoroughly removed, even at the risk of sometimes losing a portion of wheat. To the true lover of music, choice selections are more precious than complete collections. The latter are, of course, necessary to those whose business it is to study the rise and development of the various composers. The pianoforte sonatas of Mozart, Haydn, Dussek and Clementi might be reduced to very moderate compass. To suggest that any one of Beethoven's 32 should be removed out of its place would now sound flat blasphemy, but art progresses and some even now are falling into oblivion. The catalogue of music performed at the popular concerts during the history of the past 35 years shows pretty clearly which sonatas of Beethoven are likely to live long and which not. But to return to Clemente, he published his first three sonatas, Opus 2, Numbers 1 to 3, in 1770, the year in which Beethoven was born, and the influence which he exerted over that master was considerable. In Beethoven's library were to be found many sonatas of Clementi, and the master's predilection for them is well known. The world seldom renders full justice to men who prepared the way for greater than themselves. Pachelbel, Böhm and Buxtehude, the immediate predecessors of Bach, and again Emmanuel Bach, to whom Haydn was so indebted, and whose works were undoubtedly studied by Beethoven, are notable examples this is of course perfectly natural the best only survives but musicians who take serious interest in their art ought from time to time to look back and see how much was accomplished and suggested by men who in comparison with their mighty contemporaries and successors are legitimately ranked as second-rate among such clementi holds high place Beethoven overshadowed the Italian composer, but the harsh judgment expressed by Mozart, footnote, Clementi is a charlatan, like all the Italians, letter to his sister, June 7th, 1783, end of footnote, has contributed not a little, we imagine, to the indifference now shown to the Clementi sonatas. Footnote, it is 35 years since the fine one in B minor was performed at the popular concerts, and 18 since a Clementi sonata has appeared on a popular concert programme. End of footnote. The judgment was a severe one, 
But Otto Jahn relates how Clementi told his pupil Berger that, at the period of which Mozart writes, he devoted his attention to brilliant execution, and in particular to double runs and extemporized passages. And again, Berger himself was of opinion that the sonata selected for performance by Clementi at the memorable concert with Mozart in presence of the Emperor Joseph II, December 1781, was decidedly inferior to his earlier compositions of the same kind. The sonata in question was the one in B-flat, B and H, number 61, Holler, number 37 of which the opening theme commences in the same manner as the allegro of the overture to the magic flute. Mozart suffered from the predominant Italian influence at court, and the, like all the Italians in the letter just mentioned, shows, to say the least, a bitter spirit. But the letter was a private one, hastily written. The judgment expressed was formed from an inferior work. In any case, it must not be taken too seriously. Mozart, by the way, was not the only composer who failed to render justice to his contemporaries. Clementi's sonatas may be roughly divided into three classes. Some he wrote merely for the display of technique, while some were composed for educational purposes. But there remain others in which his heart and soul were engaged, and in these he reaches a very high level. Our classification is a rough one, for often in those which we consider his best, there is plenty of showy technique. With the exception of Mozart's sonata in C minor and Haydn's Genzinger and London sonatas, both in E flat, also some of Rust's, of which we shall soon have something to say, there are, to our thinking, none which in spirit come nearer to Beethoven than some of Clementi's. Mr. E. Danrauter, in his article on the composer in Sir George Grove's Dictionary of Music and Musicians, justly remarks that a judicious selection from his entire works would prove a boon. In order to trace the relationship between Clementi and Beethoven, it may be well to state that Clementi in 1783 had published up to Opus 11, Sonata and Toccata. The Toccata, by the way, is not included in the Breitkopf and Hartel edition. It appeared first, we believe, together with the sonata, in a London edition. Beethoven's first sonatas, Opus 2, appeared only in 1796. Footnote. The three sonatas in E-flat, F minor and D, dedicated to Maximilian Frederick, Elector of Cologne, and published at Spater in 1783, are not here taken into account. End of footnote. By 1802, Clementi had published up to Opus 40, in which year Beethoven composed two of the three sonatas, Opus 31, numbers 1 to 3. Between 1820 and 21 appeared Clementi's sonata Opus 46, dedicated to Kalkbrenner. And the last set of three sonatas in, including the Didone Abandonata, Opus 50, Beethoven's sonata in E, opus 109, appeared in November 1821. Thus, Clementi had first influenced Beethoven, but later on, the reverse must have been the case. Breitkopf and Hartel have published 64 sonatas of Clementi, and of these, 63 are to be found in the Holler edition. Footnote. 
in mentioning any of them we shall first give the Breitkopf and Hartel numbers and then the Holler numbers in brackets so that either edition may be referred to. End of footnote. The three sonatas, opus 2, numbers 1, 2, 3, 25, 26, 27, have only two movements and they are principally remarkable for their showy technique. Footnote. At the time of their production, Dussek was not born, Hummel was still a child, and Beethoven an infant mewling and puking in the nurse's arms. If, indeed, the Beethovens were able to afford the luxury of a nurse. Even Emmanuel Bach had not published any of his Leipzig collections, neither had Haydn written his best sonatas. As Clementi was not only the survivor of Beethoven, but also his predecessor, a reminder as to the state of the sonata world when Clementi first entered it is not wholly unnecessary. End of footnotes. Clementi, of course, was well acquainted with Scarlatti's music, yet it would perhaps be difficult to point out any direct influence of the one over the other. In the next three sonatas, opus 9, numbers 4, 5, 6, 11, 28, 12, the first and third are most interesting. In the second, Clementi indulges in his favourite passages of thirds, sixths and octaves, there is indeed a presto movement, a moto perpetuo for the right hand in octaves, which, if taken up to time, would tax even pianists of the present day. The first sonata may be noticed for its bold chords, and its sforzandos on unaccented beats, which sounds Beethovenish. The third sonata reminds us in many ways of the Bon Master. In the opening allegro there is a sighing figure, which plays an important part throughout the movement, and therefore gives a marked character to it. In the development sections, the bold contrasts, the powerful chords, the sign figure in augmentation all point to Beethoven, and curiously enough, the principal theme, which now appears in major, the sonata is in G minor, reminds one very strongly of the Eroica, It is worth noticing that the sighing figure may be traced in the other two movements of the sonata. The next sonata, number 10, 44, has three movements, all in the same key. The trio of the minuet is in the key of the subdominant. In the first movement may be noticed an extension of a phrase by repetition, pianissimo, of its last two notes, a feature often to be met with in Beethoven. See, for instance, the first movement of the Appassionata development section. The piano phrase in the rondo of number 11, 45, before the organ point and the pause bar is striking. Number 14, 2, is interesting. The broken octaves at the end of the exposition section and the return by ellipsis to the principal theme call to mind passages in Beethoven's Opus 22 and Opus 109. Sonata number 16, 4, has a delightful first movement, and the evolution of the second subject from the first deserves attention. In number 18, 51, there is one point to notice. The key of the first movement is in F but the principal theme in the recapitulation section appears in E-flat. The second theme, however, according to rule, in the tonic. 
Sonata number no. 19, 52, in F minor, demands more than a passing word. Our readers will, perhaps, be tired of our noticed foreshadowings of Beethoven, yet we must add others here. We can assure them, however, or rather those who are not familiar with Clementi's sonatas, that the passages to which we call attention only form a small proportion of those to which we might refer. The first movement, Allegro Agitato, is concise, there is no padding. Every bar of the exposition section may be termed thematic. The second subject, in the orthodox relative major, is evolved from the principal theme and the latter descends but the former ascends a true beethoven contrast the coda to the first section with its working of a thematic figure in augmentation forms a striking feature at the close of the development section a long dignified dominant passage seems a preparation for the return of the principal theme but the composer has a surprise after a pause bar the second theme appears and in a flat a modulation soon leads back to f minor and quite in beethoven fashion and the exposition coda is repeated in extended form in the next movement largo e sostenuto sombre tones still prevail the key is that of the dominant minor there is evident kinship between the first and last movements of this the opening bar of the former and the closing bars of the latter offer signal proof in number twenty three forty three at the end of the last movement an organ point reminds us that the full intentions of the composer are not recorded thus in clementi's early sonatas at any rate the interpreter as in e bach's work was expected to make additions in number twenty six seven the opening of the theme of the arietta recalls and in no vague manner the opening of the finale of beethoven's septet number thirty four eight is an excellent sonata there is considerable freedom in the recapitulation section in number 39, 35, Clementi returns to an old form of sonata. There are only two movements, a larghetto and tempo diminuetto, and both in the same key. With sonata number 41, 32, the first of two published as opus 34, Clementi breaks new ground. The idea of incorporating the subject matter of an introductory slow movement had already occurred to Haydn. Footnote london symphony in e flat number eight number one in the breitkopf and hartel catalogue End of footnote. but clementi goes to greater lengths it must not be forgotten that beethoven's sonate pathetique opus thirteen appeared in seventeen ninety nine possibly before clementi's from the opening characteristic subject of the largo is evolved the principal subject of the allegro con fuoco and there is also relationship between it and the second subject in the unusually long development section a dramatic passage evolved from the concluding bars of the largo leads to a slow section in which the opening tones of the largo are given out in loud tones and in the unexpected key of c major the three repeated sforzando crotchets remind one of the fate notes in the c minor symphony and when the tempo primo is resumed the 
also reminds one of in the same movement of the above-mentioned symphony. Then again, in an important coda, the theme is given out in modified yet intensified form. In the finale of the sonata, the largo still makes its influence felt. Exception may perhaps be taken to the length of the first movement, and to the prominence throughout the work of the principal key, but the evident desire of the composer to express something which was inwardly moving him gives great interest to the music. The sonata in B minor, opus 40, is one of Clementi's most finished productions. The name of Beethoven must again be mentioned, for depth of meaning, boldness, style of development and gradation of interest, the music comes within measurable distance of the greater master. Not only is there no padding, but here the technique serves a higher purpose than that of display. There are no formal successions of thirds, sixths or octaves, no empty bravura passages. The long development section of the first movement, with its bold contrasts, its varied presentation of thematic material, its peculiar mode of dealing with fragments of a theme, and its long dwelling on dominant harmony previous to the return of the principal theme, all these things remind one of Beethoven. The movement is followed by a largo, mesto e patetico, leading to the final allegro. These two are intimately connected, and moreover, the latter includes reminiscences from the introductory adagio. After a brief reference to the Largo, the movement concludes with a passionate presto coda. In Mr. Bannister's Life of Macfarren, we learn that the latter considered the B minor of Clementi one of the finest sonatas ever written, and many musicians will, probably, agree with him. Of the three last sonatas, Opus 50, numbers 1, 2 and 3, it must be remembered that when they appeared, Beethoven had published up to Opus 106 and possibly Opus 109. If, then, in some of the earlier Clementi sonatas we spoke of his influence on Beethoven, it is just the reverse here. Nevertheless, of these sonatas which must have been known to that master, one may have led him to think again about the idea of revealing the poetic basis of his sonatas. Clementi gives the title Didone Abandonata Sena Tragica to his work. The introductory largo is sostenuto and patetico, while the allegro which follows bears the superscription Deliberando e Meditando, the adagio is dolente, and the allegro finale, agitato e con disperazione. The music expresses throughout the sorrow and despair of the forsaken queen, while certain wild passages, as for example the coda of the first allegro, tell also of her anger. This allegro is an admirably sustained movement, and, at moments, the composer rises to the height of his argument. It is interesting, too, from a technical point of view, for there is no empty display. Whatever degree of inspiration may be accorded to the music, it will surely be acknowledged that the composer was full of his theme, that all his powers of head and heart were engaged in the task of illustration. This Dido Sonata, of course, suffers if compared to those of Clementi's great contemporary, and some of the writing is formal and old-fashioned, 
and at times too thin to attract the sympathy or to excite the interest of pianists of the present day who enjoy the richer inheritance of beethoven the romantic tone pictures of schumann and brahms the fascinating miniatures of chopin and the clever glitter of liszt still it does not deserve utter oblivion hear what frau rollitz said of it in allgemeiner musikalischer zeitung it the sonata is indeed a tragic scene one so clearly thought out and so definitely expressed that it is by no means difficult not only in each movement but in its various divisions to follow literally the course of changing feeling which is here developed schindler with regard to the work also remarks as follows who understands nowadays how to interpret this musical soul picture written unfortunately in old stereotyped sonata form at best glancing hastily over it a pianist carelessly remarks that the poetic contents of this sonata are only expressed in the title and again in the year eighteen twenty seven at baden near vienna clementi gave me details respecting the contents and interpretation of this tone poem a new edition of the work by j andre of offenbach enabled me to insert a preface with the explanations of the veteran master footnote schindler biography of beethoven third edition volume two pages two hundred and twenty three to four end of footnote and further as a tone picture expressing states of the soul he knows of no other work entitled sonata more worthy of a place besides those of beethoven two johann ludwig dusek this composer comes next to clementi in order of time and we may add of merit his natural gifts really exceed those of clementi but the latter made a deep study of his art and also of the pianoforte to which indeed like chopin he devoted his whole attention dusek was fond of ease and pleasure and never developed his powers to the full it may be noted that both these celebrated pianists were connected with english music publishing houses clementi prospered though not in his first undertaking with longman and broderep but dusek was unsuccessful and left england so it is said to avoid his creditors there is indeed a letter written by dusek from hamburg dated twelfth of june eighteen o one to clementi and apart from the curious spectacle of these two pianists in commercial correspondence with each other the letter is of interest in that it belongs to a period of dusek's life concerning the details of which there is some uncertainty dusek it may be mentioned does not ever appear to have returned to london in eighteen o three he became attached to prince louis ferdinand to whom he offered advice in pianoforte playing and composition there is another letter extant of dusek's written in the same year in which that prince fell on the battlefield of salfeld thirteenth of october eighteen o six and this also we will give as we believe like the one above it has never been published the catalogue of dusek's works in sir g grove's dictionary of music and musicians mentions three quartets for strings opus sixty in g b flat and e flat most probably the works referred to in the second letter dusek born in the year seventeen sixty one studied first with his father j j dusek and in his twenty-second year received further instruction from emmanuel bach 
He soon enjoyed great fame as an executant. Tomaszek, himself a pianist of note, thus speaks of him in his autobiography. There was, in fact, something magical about the way in which Dusek, with all his charming grace of manner, through his wonderful touch, extorted from the instrument delicious and at the same time emphatic tones his fingers were like a company of ten singers endowed with equal executive powers and able to produce with the utmost perfection whatever the director could require i never saw the prague public so enchanted as they were on this occasion by dusek's splendid playing his fine declamatory style especially in cantabile phrases stands as the ideal for every artistic performance something which no other pianist has since reached the above quotation refers to a concert given at prague in eighteen o four there is unfortunately great confusion in the opus numbers of dusek's work and moreover it is difficult if not impossible to give the dates either of composition or publication Breitkopf and Hartel have published more than 50 sonatas, but we shall only refer to some of the more important ones. Dusek, like all the prominent composers of his time, not even excepting Haydn and Mozart, wrote music on a practical rather than on a poetic basis. One of the letters given above acknowledges this in very frank terms. But to Dusek's credit be it said, his least valuable works are masterpieces as compared with those which the sonata-makers, Stiebelt, Kramer and others, fabricated by the hundred. In Dusek we find great charm and refinement, while the writing for the instrument is often highly attractive, but the art of developing themes was certainly not his strong point that he was at times careless or indifferent may be seen from such a bar as the following opus forty seven number one litolf edition adagio bar nine the bar before the return to the principal theme in the allegro of the sonata in e flat opus seventy five furnishes another instance again in the allegro of the sonata in a flat known as le retro à paris there is a passage commencing fifteen bars before the end of the exposition section which with slight alteration might have been materially improved of the early sonatas opus ten number two in g minor is an interesting work it consists of two well contrasted movements an adagio in binary and a vivace in sonata form of the presto of opus ten number three professor prout in his interesting article dusek's pianoforte sonatas footnote musical times september and october eighteen seventy seven end of footnote says both the first and second principal subjects remind us irresistibly of that composer mendelssohn while the phrase at the conclusion of the first part repeated at the end of the movement is almost identical with a well-known passage in the first movement of the scotch symphony is the coincidence accidental or did mendelssohn know the sonata and was he unconsciously influenced by it in his three last sonatas opus seventy seventy five and seventy seven dusek rises to a very high level he was undoubtedly influenced by the earnestness of beethoven the chivalric spirit of weber and the poetry of schubert a new era had set in 
these three composers were neither the fools of princes nor the servants of the public. They were in the world, yet not of it. They looked upon their art as a sacred thing, and most probably the shallowness of much of the music produced in such abundance towards the close of the 18th century spurred them on to higher efforts. Dusik had lived in an irregular, aimless sort of life. He had wandered from one country to another and had acquired the ephemeral fame of the virtuoso. Perhaps he was a disappointed man. There is a tinge of sadness about these last sonatas which supports such a view. Perhaps a feeling that his life was ebbing away made him serious. His music now shows no trifling. Explain it as you may, Dussek's three last contributions to sonata literature rank among the best of his day. And the indifference now shown to them, so far at least as the concert platform is concerned, is proof of ignorance or bad taste. We say ignorance because the rising generation has few, if any, opportunities of hearing this composer's music. It is 18 years since his Opus 70 was given at the popular concerts, while 23 and 29 years have passed since Opus 75 and Opus 77 have been played there. The sonata in A-flat, entitled Le Retour à Paris, is known in England as Plus Ultra, and in an old edition was dedicated to non plus ultra. The latter was meant for Wolfel, a famous pianist and contemporary. His music is now forgotten, and his name is principally remembered in connection with Beethoven. Like the latter, his talent for improvisation was great. The late J. W. Davidson, in his long and interesting preface to Brewer and Company's edition of Dussek's A-flat sonata, leads us to believe that Dussek's publisher, and not the composer himself, was responsible for the change of title to Plus Ultra. The opus number 2 was changed from 70 to 71. The following story is also told by Davidson in a preface contributed by him to the Brewer edition of the Wolfel Sonata. Who will play it? asked the publisher. Well, looking through the music of the composer, I will it play, replied Werfel. Yes, but you won't buy the copies. No one but yourself or Dussek can play the Allegro, and I doubt if either of you can play the variations. Werfel, however, sitting down before an old harpsichord, convinced the publisher of his error. What shall we call it? said Well. Call it Ne Plus Ultra, said Werfel rubbing his hands with joy and adding now shall we see if er von elsch will more or er bombendo make die variation dussex plus ultra opus seventy is justly admired the music is fine and in the matter of technique setting aside a few sensational passages footnote here is one in the eighth variation End of footnote. In Wolfel's sonata, which his very long fingers enabled him to execute with comparative ease, far surpassed the earlier work. It must appear strange to many musicians who do not possess a copy of Wolfel's sonata that, in any mention of the rivalry between the two composers, no reference is made to Wolfel's sonata beyond the title. An examination of the latter, however, would soon solve the mystery. The plain fact is this. Both the music and the technique are now absolutely uninteresting. The sonata in the key of F major commences with a brief introductory adagio followed by a long, tedious allegro abounding in passages of thirds. 
a brief adante comes between this allegro and the finale consisting of flimsy variations of the popular melody life let us cherish in a book of small compass such as the present one we only wish to dwell upon matters of interest for some particular purpose wolfel's sonatas might possibly prove of importance and even interest but not here the non plus ultra so far as we are concerned may serve to remind us that wolfel once lived while the rest of his music like some incidents in his life may be consigned to oblivion we cannot say that we have read all his sonatas but enough of them we believe to judge generally of their contents professor mcfarren's opinion of dusek as composer of the pianoforte in the imperial dictionary of biography is so excellent that we cannot perhaps do better than quote his words the immense amount of Dussek's compositions for the pianoforte have by no means equal merit. Many of them were written for the mere object of sale, still more for the purpose of tuition, and some with the design of executive display. Of those which were produced, however, in the true spirit of art, expressing the composer's feelings in his own unrestrained ideas, there exist quite enough to stamp him one of the first composers for his instrument, and while these are indispensable in the complete library of the pianist, they are above value to the student in the development of his mechanism and the formation of his style a strong characteristic of the composer is his almost redundant profusion of ideas footnote mendelssohn too complains that dusek was a prodigal End of footnote. but his rich fecundity of invention is greatly counterbalanced by diffuseness of design resulting from the want of that power of condensation by means of which greater interest is often given to less beautiful matter and then again in an analysis of a dusek quintet he remarks that in that composer's works we may trace not only the origin of many of the most beautiful effects with which later writers have been accredited, but some of the identical ideas by which these very writers have made their way into popularity. 3. Friedrich Wilhelm Rust During the years 1744-45, to 45, a young man named Johann Ludwig Anton Rust went to Leipzig to study jurisprudence and philosophy. But he was also musical, and playing the violin at performances given under the direction of J.S. Bach. On returning to his home at Wurlitz, Rust tried to inspire those around him with enthusiasm for the music of Bach. With his younger brother, Heydrich Wilhelm, he was, at any rate, successful, for the latter, already at the age of thirteen, was able to play by heart the whole of the well-tempered clavier. Later on, young Friedrich went to Halle to study law, and there not only made the acquaintance of Friedemann Bach, but, in return for attending to the correspondence of that gifted musician, he received from him instruction in composition, organ, and clavier playing. Afterwards, at Potsdam, he continued his clavier studies under Emmanuel Bach. Surely a finer training never fell to the lot of any pupil. Schumann recommends young musicians to make Bach their daily bread, and of that, Rust must have had full weight. But the list of his teachers is not yet exhausted. He went to Italy in 1765 and studied the violin under Tartini. Rust composed operas, cantatas, concertos and sonatas for violin. 
Footnote. The one in D minor has often been performed at the popular concerts. End of footnote. And for pianoforte, the last named, of which he wrote eight, now concern us. The earliest, entitled Sonata Erotica, was composed in 1775. This work, however, was not published until the year 1888, edited by his grandson, Dr. Wilhelm Rust, footnote, 1822-1892, late cantor of St. Thomas's. It is the first of a series of works extraordinary in many ways, in form, subject matter, developments and technique. With regards to the last named, there is something to say, and it had better be said at once. Dr. E. Priger, in his interesting pamphlet F. W. Rust, Einvorgänger Beethoven's, remarks as follows. While the grandson, full of enthusiasm, threw his whole soul at the creations of his ancestor, he gave a reflection, in his edition, of the pictures which had been vividly formed in his mind. To accomplish this he has strengthened the writing, and in some cases modernised it. Dr. Priger, who has seen some, if not all, of the autographs, has assured us that these editions only concern the exterior and do not affect the fundamental character of the work. This statement is, to a certain extent, satisfactory, and we receive it thankfully. But a great deal of the writing is far ahead of the age in which it was written. It reminds one now of Weber, now of Schumann. Why, one may ask, did not the editor indicate the additions in smaller notes? Then it would have been possible to see exactly what the elder Rust had written and what the younger Rust had added. At present one can only marvel at some of the writing, and long to know how much of it really belongs to the composer. It appears that Rust, as editor of his grandfather's work, had some intention of describing his editions, etc., but death, which frequently prevents the best-intentioned plans, intervened. The Sonata Erotica is noticeable, generally, for its charm, poetry and spontaneity. The first movement, an allegro moderato, is in sonata form. The second, in the key of the relative minor, entitled Fantasy, has in it more of the spirit of Beethoven than of Emmanuel Bach. The finale is in rondo form. The middle section consists of a playful duettino containing free imitations. The next sonata, 1777, in D-flat, opens with a graceful allegretto, and closes with a tempo diminuetto, which, for the most part, points backwards rather than forwards. The slow movement, adagio sostenuto, is, however, of a higher order than either of these. It has Beethovenish breadth and dignity, yet lacks the power of the Bon Master, those magic touches by which the latter makes us feel his genius, and secures gradation of interest up to the very close of a movement. This adagia, however, were the date of its composition unknown, might pass for a very clever imitation of Beethoven's style. In 1784, Rust wrote two sonatas, one in F-sharp minor, the other in B-flat minor. The latter consists of three movements, and the music, especially in the adagio in E-flat minor, bears traces of the great Bach. Still, there are passages which sound more modern even in this very adagio, which points so clearly to him as the source of inspiration. The modern element, however, admits of explanation. For Haydn and Mozart, 
at the time in which the sonata was written, had appeared in the musical firmament. But in the works we are about to mention, the composer suggests Beethoven, Weber, and even Schumann. In writing about Clementi, we were compelled frequently, and at the risk of wearying our readers, to call attention to foreshadowings of both the letter and spirit of Beethoven. The cases of Clementi and Rust, however, are not quite parallel. With the former, it was mere foreshadowing, the exception of a few passages in which there was note resemblance between the two composers, the music still bore traces of Clementi's mode of thought and style of writing. But with Rust, there are moments in which it is really difficult to believe that the music belongs to a pre-Beethoven period. The Sonata Footnote. The original title is Sonata per il cembalo o fortepiano di F.W. Rust, 1788, in D minor, 1788, opens with a vigorous yet dignified allegro. The graceful adagio is of 18th century type. It is in the key of the relative major, but closes on the dominant chord of D minor, leading without break to a final allegro full of interesting details. The movement concludes with an impressive poco adagio coda, in which Rust makes use of the principal theme of the opening movement. We will venture on one quotation, although a few bars, separated from the context, may convey only a feeble impression. The sonata in D major, composed six years later, opens with an interesting allegro. The second movement in B minor bears the superscription Veklaga, Lamentation. Rust's eldest son, a talented youth, who was studying at Halle University, was drowned in the river Zala, 23rd of March 1794. Matheson, the Adelaide poet, sent to the disconsolate father a poem entitled Totenkranz für ein Kind, to which Rust sketched music, and on that sketch is based this pathetic movement, which sounds like some tone poem of the 19th century. Here is the impressive coda. There follows a dainty, old-fashioned minuet, and a curious movement entitled Schwermut und Frusin, Melancholy and Mirth. Footnote. It is curious to note that in the supplement of the Breitkopf and Hartel edition of Beethoven's works, there are two little pieces entitled Lustig und Traurig. End of footnote. Though after the Weckliger, these make little impression. During four years, 1792 to 96, Rust was occupied with a sonata in C minor and major. The work is a remarkable one. It opens with an energetic recitativo in C minor, interrupted by a few bars of an 
Arioso Adagio in C major. Then comes a Lento in 6-4 time, based on the celebrated Malbrook song, a dignified movement containing, among other canonic imitations, one in the ninth. It leads by means of a stringendo bar to a brilliant allegro con brio, a movement of which both the music and the technique remind one of Beethoven's bravura style. A second section of the sonata commences with the recitative phrase of the opening of the work, only in A minor. This leads to a highly characteristic Adante, which Dr. Rust, the editor, in a preface to the published sonata, likens to the mighty procession in Lenau's Faust. The finale consists of an animated allegro, with a clever fugato by way of episode. There is still an allegro maestoso, which, except for its length and the fact that it contains a middle section, cantabile e religioso, we should call a long coda. The whole, evidently programme music, is a sonata worked out somewhat on Kunau lines. Now, was Beethoven acquainted with Rust's music? Dr. Preiger, in the pamphlet mentioned above, remarks as follows. During the years 1807-27, to 27, Wilhelm Karl Rust, born 1787, died 1855, the youngest son of our master, was in Vienna, and had the good fortune to make the acquaintance of Beethoven, who was pleased with his playing and recommended him as teacher. Among Rust's lady pupils were Baroness Dorothea Ertmann and Maximiliana Brentano, both of whom belonged to Beethoven's most intimate circle of friends, and had been honoured by having works dedicated to them. The younger Rust was gifted with an extraordinary memory, and therefore it seemed more than probable that he occasionally performed some of his father's works in that circle. On the other hand, we have Beethoven's energetic nature holding aloof from anything which might influence his own individuality. There, in a few words, is the answer to our question, and it is about the only one we can ever hope to obtain. Rust was altogether a remarkable phenomenon, a musician born, as it were, out of due time. If Beethoven, as seems quite possible, was acquainted with his music, then Rust exerted an influence over the master quite equal to that of Clementi. It almost seems as if we ought to say, greater. End of chapter 6 Recording by Jordan Watts, Oxfordshire